But away we go. Hour two on a glorious day for talk radio. We got our panel standing by. They're going to join us here in about uh, 18, not 18, I can't do the math, a dozen minutes or so. But uh, we'll ballpark it. Right now, though, being such a wonderful day, it's also a significant date. As far as the Premier is concerned, 100 days in office. They've got a big soiree planned at the Woodbine Banquet Hall uh, later on tonight. So uh, we thought we'd get the, the Premier in here and just ask him about his first 100 days and uh, his impression and take away from, uh, well, what seems like it's been a whirlwind of activity. Premier Ford, good to have you on the Oakley Show. Well, it's great to be on with you, Johnny. Always a pleasure. Listen, uh, I guess i got to ask the obvious. You're 100 days in, and it probably seems like it's just been, you know, uh, warp speed. But is there something that stands out for you as your single greatest accomplishment or thing of which you're most proud? Well, there's, there's a whole bunch of accomplishments, and I take all the credit uh, for the team. You know, they, they're the ones who did it, not me. They, they're incredible people, and we have an all-star team, and, and so they get all the credit. And I also have to tell you, Johnny, the... Uh, you know, the, the the staff, the provincial staff uh, uh, led by Steve Orsini, he's, he's been incredible as well. But some of the items that come uh, top of mind is the, the cap and trade, lowering the gas prices by, by five cents. That's a pocketbook issue that uh, giving back uh, money to the, the taxpayers. We got the carbon tax, uh, York, uh, the York Strait, uh, we ended up uh, stopping that and getting kids back in school, the buck of beer, line-by-line uh, audit. I was just I have two pages of stuff uh, that I can run through. <laughs> right, okay, you got your crib notes there. Yeah, well, absolutely. All right, let me just drill down on that carbon tax thing, because I know you were just out west uh, late last yeah. week, and you were meeting with the various, well, Scott Moe in Saskatchewan. Uh, well, tell us about that. Brian Pallister in Manitoba is starting to bend against a, a carbon tax, and Jason Kenney, should he win in Alberta next May, uh, he kill the uh, tax that Rachel Notley brought in. Uh, do you feel you've galvanized support for the anti-carbon uh, tax movement here? Well, I, I think there's a movement going right across the, the country. You look at PEI, uh, is, uh, you know, they, they want to jump off the, the carbon tax ship, as I, as I call it. And, uh, New Brunswick uh, went PC, and then Quebec and Ontario, and then you have Saskatchewan and Manitoba is uh, going to jump ship on the carbon tax. And then we have Jason Kenney that's going to be, I'm pretty confident, is going to be the next uh, Premier of Alberta. But it's sending a clear message to uh, Trudeau uh, Liberals up, up in Ottawa that uh, people don't want higher prices. And that all, that's all it does. It does absolutely nothing for the environment. It's just another tax grab uh, out of the, the taxpayer's pocket. And, and people are, are finally uh, realizing that uh, this is just a scam. It's a it's a big scam to to gouge the taxpayers and businesses and families uh, from every penny they they can make. Again, with Premier Doug Ford. So this meeting out west. I mean, uh, what happened or what as a a takeaway did you get uh, from your colleagues here? Whether it's you know Scott Moe in Saskatchewan that you guys are going to be a united front, and is this going to be a decided thing uh, for the election in two thousand nineteen federally? I think it's going to be a big part of the election, and uh, I'm very grateful for for Premier Mo uh, hopping on board with our court case uh, challenging the the uh, Liberal government when it comes to the carbon tax, and uh, we jumped on uh, his court case, and so uh, again we're we're uniting uh, 
as a united group for the, for the people of uh, Canada, not just uh, Ontario or individual provinces. This is a terrible, terrible tax, absolutely terrible tax. does absolutely nothing for the environment, and it just gouges people That's, and, and businesses, families. So, so Doug, uh, bring me into the loop. I mean, based on what, though? How do you argue it constitutionally that the feds don't have any right to impose this on a province? Well, they, you know, they, they have their constitutional experts saying they do, and then we have our constitutional experts saying that uh, this is a no-brainer. They don't have the right to. So I guess the Supreme Court, they'll, they'll decide on this, and then we'll, we'll be able to move from there. But let's, uh, let's see what happens in the federal election, and if you don't want extra taxes, then, uh, then you vote for a different party. But if you want to continue, to, continue on with these uh, tax grabs, then I guess uh, liberals are your choice. Let me ask you about some other court challenges that you're facing with the sex ed curriculum, for example. Now you've got the Human Rights Commission here in the province suggesting that this abridges the rights of certain marginalized groups, the LGBTQ students and so on and so forth. And so uh, if they were to take that through the court process, as we saw when you had uh, imposed, you know, the smaller uh, version of counsel and uh, you get a superior court justice that determines that they're on the right side of things, would you use the notwithstanding clause would you be more or less apt to use it in a case like that well i i can't really answer that right now johnny but i'll tell you about schooling when you when you go for a job they don't ask you about your sex ed they ask you about math reading writing or arithmetic and right now uh one one third uh of the teachers are are failing uh a, a test themselves a grade six math so we have teachers that are failing the test themselves is uh, maybe it's not their fault but we're going we're gonna to change that, and half our students in grade six are, are failing the math curriculum. We're the lowest in the country. Uh, they have this thing called discovery math, which is an absolute joke. It's a failed policy from the liberals. We're going to change it around, and we want our students to be number one, not only in the country, but in the world. And there's no reason uh, they shouldn't be. They just need... Uh, the right curriculum, the right way of being taught it, and then I think uh, we'll we'll do we'll do quite fine. Again, with Premier Doug Ford, still with the sex ed curriculum, because I know you said during the campaign even you would broadly consult parents in all 124 yeah. writings. So that's right. What form has that taken? Is it ongoing? When's it going to be wrapped up? Yeah. And- so we're we're doing it right now. We have the largest consultation ever in the history of Canada uh, when it comes to the education uh, curriculum. Uh, we're reaching out to tens of thousands of people. And I just want to uh, remind everyone, uh, the, the previous government uh, reached out to 1,700 people online after the curriculum was put out there. So they didn't consult with anyone. That was a big issue uh, when I crisscrossed the province. So it's not up to the government to decide. It's going to be up to the parents to decide. We'll be speaking to teachers and experts as well and getting their input. So how are you getting the input, though, from the parents as well as the well, other stakeholders? Well, a couple couple ways. Uh, first of all, we're doing uh, town hall meetings uh, and ridings uh, across the, the province. We're doing a system of robocalls that will be able to get 16,000 to 20,000 people on the line at once. Uh, we'll also uh, be sending out surveys online. So we're, we're hitting them uh, from all sides to, to get the numbers that... Uh, we feel comfortable uh, with to make sure we consulted with enough people. And right now, uh, I, I believe last number I heard, and we've only done it for a few days, I think at twelve, thirteen thousand people, and that's just the beginning. All right, so it's just been uh, on for a couple of days. Listen, the other yeah. thing, we're only about eight days out from the legalization of pot. Is this province ready for this? 
Well, you know, Johnny, we we seem to be ready, but it's again, it's a it's a trail that uh, no one no one's ever experienced. We're going to blaze a new trail, and right across this country, this was dumped on us from the federal government. Uh, our number one priority is to make sure we we keep our kids safe, keep it away from schools, make sure there's proper education on it. But uh, I think we're I think we're ready right now. But again. Uh, no one knows where this is going to go. Uh, we don't know the total sales. We don't know how many people are going to be using uh, cannabis. But I, I guess we'll have a better idea after uh, a few months into the game here. Well, here in Toronto, the police chief, Mark Saunders, earlier today put out a video saying he'd restrict his officers from using cannabis 28 days before active duty. And uh, it seems like we're kind of making things up on the fly. I know out in Vancouver, they were just saying, well, you, the police officers should just take it upon themselves to show up fit for duty. So it's really kind of a, you know, a moving target as to where the enforcement branch of things is going to be. Uh, if we have enough trained officers across this province, I'm told there's only 240 trained officers right now to uh, do the field sobriety testing. I mean, this seems inadequate to me. Yeah, you, you know something, Johnny. There's going to be a lot of things we're going to have to tweak because, again, it's a it's a path that no one's gone down yet. But we'll put the resources that are needed to to tweak it. If we need more officers, we'll get more officers uh, trained. Um, but there's there's so many different areas that not only Ontario. I think every province. Uh, we've been in communication with uh, a lot of the premiers, and uh, we're going to get their opinions. What's working? What's not working? I don't believe in reinventing the wheel. If something's working in one province and uh, we're doing it a little differently, uh, then we're always open to change. But let, let's see how the first year goes, and we're going to do everything we can uh, to make sure uh, there's a there's a smooth transition. I, I hear, you know, the biggest concern that uh, the growers won't, won't have enough. Uh, product to uh, put into the store so let, let's see what happens i'm also hearing reports that the online store is not adequately set up right now to uh, facilitate the traffic and uh, meet the supply you know people would order it online and it'd be delivered by mail but even the online store eight days out isn't adequately uh, set up well i don't know how someone could say that because they we don't know the volume right are, are we going to get a million hits the first day or are we going to get a hundred thousand hits so let's see what happens and and again uh, we're going to read and react. I'm not. I'm not here to say it's going to go perfect because we just don't know. Uh, are we going to uh, correct any issues that pop up? Absolutely. Are there going to be a few bumps on the road? I'm sure there will be. But uh, well, I think we'll be able to iron things out. We have a, a really good team, and we're all over it right now. Doug, last question. You know, this Bill 148, uh, you call it a job killer. I see where the Star ran a piece today, and uh, basically they're citing supporters of yours who think that you were offside with this because, you know, the minimum wage has been frozen at 14 bucks, and the two guaranteed paid days of sick leave out of 10 allotted and so on and so forth is going to be a hardship on the workers. Uh, but by your token, this is a job killer, so I guess it's a balance between business interests and that of the workers. Uh why do you call it a job killer? Well, it's an absolute job killer. Everywhere I went in the, the province, uh, the number one issue was uh, Hydro One, Hydro Rates, but number two is this Bill 148. If I went to one restaurant or one little home hardware or businesses across this province, uh, I believe close to 60,000 people have lost their jobs. And our TD Securities came out and said it's going to be closer to 80 or 90,000 people. Let's keep, keep in mind... Uh, our goal with Bill 148 
is to take anyone on minimum wage off the tax rolls so they won't have to pay any tax. We're actually giving back $850 to people on minimum wage, unlike the previous government who wants to tax them to death. But uh, again, we're, we're going to make sure that uh, Ontario is competitive. Uh, we've always said Ontario is open for business, the way you attract businesses, to make an environment to attract businesses. Johnny, I, I sat down with the ECDEV folks. They showed me pages and pages of companies that went to Ohio, went to Michigan, went to New York State. Uh, there's 300,000 jobs lost under the Liberals, manufacturing jobs. We're going to bring prosperity, opportunity, and growth back to this province, the, the likes of which uh, this province hasn't seen. Any more horror stories on the line-by-line audit that's been commissioned? Yeah, that's going to be, uh, we're working on that right now. So we're we're putting a, a group of MPPs uh, together to uh, sit down, find out uh, who got rich off our money and who uh, who's responsible for it. So we, we can't just turn a blind eye when they leave us a $15 billion deficit. And for the first time in, in many years, the Auditor General came out and, and said, you know, we agree with the, the finances now. So we have our finance minister, we have a third-party auditor, the Auditor General, for the first time ever, agreeing that the, the, the books and the numbers are, are correct. So I'm um, asking everyone for their help, their understanding. Uh, we're in it together, and we, we have to, as, as a province, we have to get rid of this $15 billion. It's just uh, debt that uh, each and every one of us, including our children and grandchildren, will carry. But we'll, we'll get it back in shape. I promise you that, Johnny. All right, and uh, we'll stay on top of the file from our end. So the Woodbine Banquet Hall tonight, you're celebrating. What time's the start, and who's all welcome? Yeah, everyone's welcome. Uh, come by. It's uh, 30 Vice Region. That's Highway 27 in Rexdale Boulevard, uh, Woodbine Banquet Hall, and it starts at uh, doors open at 6, and probably speeches start closer to uh, 7 o'clock. All right. All right. Well, it sounds like a soiree planned 100 days in, so uh, we'll talk again before too long, I'm sure. I appreciate your time this afternoon. Excellent. I appreciate it, Johnny. All right. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Premier Doug Ford. There you go. Well, the first 100 days in. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.